นะโมตัสสะปะกวะโตวะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมตัสสะปะกวะโตวะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมตัสสะปะกวะโตวะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังตัมมังสังกังนามาสามิอิตุปารังสักจังตัมโมโสตัปปุติ All of you set your hearts on listening to this Dhamma talk. So it's the sixth day of this meditation retreat. We're gathering together to study the Dhamma. We've come from many different countries and have this faith, this belief, conviction in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. So, sata. It's faith or conviction. It's important because it's what takes us to our goals. We need to have that sincerity, that devotion as well. So, if we don't have faith, then even if we're very close to the teachings of the fully self-awakened Buddha, we won't taste the flavor of the Dhamma. So during the time of the Buddha, even though there was a Samma Sambuddha, perfectly self-awakened Buddha, who had awakened in this world, there were huge numbers of people who still didn't have faith. They still hadn't cultivated any barami with the Buddha, and so they didn't have the opportunity to listen to his Dhamma. When they don't have that opportunity, then they also don't have wisdom, and there won't be any understanding of the Dhamma, and then they won't taste the flavor of the Dhamma. So this flavor of the Dhamma is superior to any other flavors of anything in this world, no matter how delicious any food may be that humans create. This is just a temporary experience. But the flavor of the Dhamma, this goes very deep into our hearts. And when we experience that, when we touch that, then there's the rapture and the happiness that comes from having seen the Dhamma. So this is the very best, the highest of all flavors. So when the Buddha taught the Dhamma as he did, then we should. Respond by being heedful, not being heedless in our life, not being heedless due to our age. And when we're heedful, then we put an effort. We try. We really persist with this practice, because the things that we've done in this life already, um, the education that we've um, gone through, that's required our effort. For us to pass that, so that we can get work, so they're able to support our lives. So this is all due to the effort and the really high sincerity that we've had, that we're able to pass these things. And the Buddha said that we are able to free ourselves from suffering due to our efforts. And so, what is that effort then that we need? Is the effort to abandon any unwholesome states, and the effort to cultivate skillful states? And the Buddha taught this during 
Maga, Buddha, uh, this heart of the Buddha Sasana, to put effort into abandoning all unwholesome or evil things, cultivating goodness and skillfulness, and bringing the mind to purity. So we try to not allow any of these unwholesome things to flow out through our actions of body and speech. We set our hearts on that. But we also need to understand that in the societies that we live in in this present day, for the most part, the people don't have much virtue or sila. And so this kind of conflicts with the heart or affects our hearts. It goes into our hearts. So we need to be composed and be cautious around that and also be aware that this is the nature of the human world, that there are many people who are deluded, who have the sense of self. And it's very few the number of people who are putting effort into abandoning the sense of self. (coughs) Even though there may be many different religions in this world, they're all there for the sake of providing support for our hearts, something that the hearts of people can lean on and depend upon. So if we have this sincerity, we have effort like this, we also have expectation in putting that in that effort for a result. So we observe our minds, have mindfulness there, looking at what's going on, knowing what is happening to our minds. When we experience any sensory experience, um, then the mind goes and runs after that immediately. And if we don't have mindfulness, um, then we just carry on chasing after these things. So we come to see the drawbacks in that. And then we don't want to have any attachments. We don't want to have greed or hatred or delusion. We know that these are bad things. And before, perhaps we hadn't known that, and we just chase after all of them. When greed or hatred or delusion appear within the mind, um, then the mind goes and creates all these things out of that, goes and proliferates and follows up thinking about that. And then those thoughts, they drag our bodies around, making them do their bidding. But we have passed through that until this um, present time, and we're lucky already. Because we're not deluded in these, or lost in these ways that bring us to chaos and agitation, that we have this faith within us. And so we should observe our minds as well. If there's something that we wish to say or to do, and following unskillful proliferation, then we should not do that. Have forbearance right there. But if we have mindfulness and firm samadhi, then the amount that we have to endure with these emotions and sense impressions is less. Because that Samadhi gives us a helping hand. We're able to show this inner self-restraint, even though we may wish 
to start complaining or start shouting, we're able to have the self-restraint. And so that chaos doesn't ensue, and so that we don't get all scattered and lost. So if these qualities of mindfulness and samadhi are great, um, then these are able to give rise to the peace that can suppress the defilements. And even though it hasn't purified these defilements, it has brought a stillness there which holds them back. Greed, hatred and delusion still abide within the heart, they're still full, but we're able to suppress them. So this peace, it helps us to endure. We also have, we start off with this quality of sila, or virtue, as well. And virtue gives us great benefit. That we endure through that virtue. That we have this sila, barami. And we develop that for the sake of samadhi and wisdom. Sometimes if we feel like we just can't take it anymore, then we should recollect the Buddha and his cultivation of Sila Bharami. Even though he was tortured, he still endured with that. He had this great sincerity uh, to become a fully self-awakened Buddha. And so as a Bodhisattva, he went through this for countless lifetimes enduring um, in his practice of keeping these precepts and keeping virtue. And as our forbearance becomes more and more powerful, the result of that is the deepening of samadhi. And when samadhi becomes more firm, then this all becomes much easier. Even though we may experience these moods to a strong degree, like we had before, but with that energy in the mind, there's also stillness there, there's a sense of ease. And so our minds don't become shaken due to those experiences or those moods. There's that stillness, that peace, that quiet there in the heart. So we can also use uh, contemplation as well in order to gain understanding, in order to enter, to enter into wisdom. And when we use this word wisdom or panya within the Buddha sasana, what that means is a clear knowledge, a seeing into reality, an understanding of the dhammas that should be known and seen. Even though the Buddha gave many, many teachings, 84,000 teachings, really the heart of the meaning of all of those is that uh, form and feelings, perception, um, mental formation, sense consciousness, that these are things that are inconstant and permanent. They're suffering and they're not self. And this is where all of these teachings gather together. So we already have a kind of understanding about these things. That upadana's clinging is the cause for suffering to arise.
And we know that we need to abandon this, need to let go of our attachments. Because these five khandas, these five aggregates, they're like a red-hot piece of iron. And no matter where we touch that, we touch it on the top, we touch it on the bottom, on the sides, it's all hot. So wherever it is that we cling, then heat, fire, appears right there, and it's hot. So we need to abandon this clinging. And there's also tanha, craving, this wanting to be, wanting to have, wanting not to be, not to have. And then the delight that we find in sensuality. And this is uh, the cause for clinging. And when we have these, then suffering arises. So Venerable Ajahn Chah, he taught that we have suffering due to attachment. And that suffering gets protracted, it gets extended due to our desires. So the suffering, it extends on and on, all throughout this life, into the next life, and the life after that. And we have been spinning around in the cycle of samsara for such a long time now, experiencing only suffering. Each life we have delusion. We're deluded into me and mine, that this is me, and this is my husband, my wife, my child, my grandchild, this is my wealth. But we also have to be separated from all of these things. We need to be separated from everything in this world. And it's this clinging that brings the mind around to becoming and birth all over again, to old age, sickness and death. So we must abandon this clinging so that suffering doesn't arise. Whenever there's pasa or sense contact, we need to establish a mindfulness well right there. Need to um, constantly have this mindfulness in our heart. And those who have mindfulness over their own hearts and minds, they'll, they are the ones who can free themselves from Mara's snare. Mara being the one that destroys happiness or goodness, essentially suffering. So we develop this mindfulness. And we don't just do so during this time of listening to the Dhamma. Also when we listen to the Dhamma, then we're studying along with that into cause and effect, that this has its reasoning as well. And so we can gain an understanding of this reasoning or this cause and effect in the Dhamma. It's like how I've spoken about many times. I listened to a teaching by Ajahn Chah. And there was emptiness that appeared in my mind. And I didn't think that it would be like this. So there was an understanding into this nature of, of attachment. And it's like having a house that is dirty. And we haven't cleaned that house. But when we clean it, then it becomes clean. Or like we have clothes that we haven't washed. 
But when we wash those clothes and they become clean. So right at the place in the mind where there is clinging, where there's attachment, that's where we use the Dhamma. We use sila, samadhi and panya as virtue, collectiveness and wisdom. We contemplate so that wisdom arises, so that knowledge arises, so we're able to abandon our attachments and then suffering doesn't arise. Because it's this clinging that causes us to suffer, doesn't it? And so we use the maga, sila, samadhi and panya to solve that, to gain an understanding in the Dhamma. And when we gain this understanding, then niroda, this cessation, appears. <coughs> so set your hearts on this. And we will have this kind of this desire or this expectation in this life that we have faith already, we have this opportunity to have been born and meet with the teachings of the Buddha and this is something that's very difficult to come by. So we have this expectation for the Dhamma, this wish to meet with the Dhamma. But for the most part, people in this world, they try to seek out the things of this world. So like those who want wealth, and if they heard about a mountain that was made of solid gold, then they would try to seek that out. And that's what people in this world are like, but they have to just carry on seeking things, because none of these things last for a long time. So they need to go seeking all over again. And then when that happens, they just kind of carry on going, and then they pass away and then go through becoming and birth all over again. This goes on without stop. And it's all full of suffering. So the Buddha taught us um, that the tears that we have cried due to the grief of separation, this if we gather all this together, it's more than all the water in the oceans. And when I heard this, it really deeply affected me, um, that I myself have cried this many times throughout all my lives. It's countless, this number of tears. So then what do we do? We put in our effort, we train, in mindfulness and samadhi until these qualities arise for us. So just like in the work that we've done in our studies, that we put in our efforts and so we've been able to succeed in those. And it's just the same with our practice. If we put in our effort, then we'll need to meet with success. We'll be able to still and quell the frantic kind of movements of the mind through our meditation, seeing into the truth of all physical and mental things. And this isn't something that's beyond our sincerity, it's not beyond our ability, that if we put our hearts to it, if we really set ourselves on this and have this sincerity, devotion, expectation, and something that we can all succeed in. 
Because physicality and mentality, it's all here already. It's just that our minds aren't peaceful yet. So we need to train the mind to bring it to peace using a meditation object until that calm does arise. And when that calm arises, um, then that's able to hold back the defilements. And then we can gain some knowledge that these things, they're not really me. That this body, it's not really something that's beautiful or attractive. As joy, peace arises, we gain this clarity of understanding. And we can see into the elements, and if the peace in our mind is sufficient, we can see those elements break apart and the mind becomes empty. Well, when we listen to the Dhamma with a still mind, then emptiness can arise within the mind then. Experience this temporary Nibbana, and pity, rapture, sukha, happiness arises to a great degree. But we also need Bharami to be able to reach this point as well. And it's not the case that we just listen to the Dhamma just three or four times and we see into the Dhamma. I mean, it's possible for people to do that once. Just listen to the Dhamma once and then to see it, but one needs to have full Bharami for that to happen. So it really depends upon one's current capital and assets. And it's not the case that everyone um, who tries to kind of start a business will um, succeed or get wealthy. You know, it depends upon the assets that we have. So this depends, the seeing of the Dhamma depends upon our mindfulness and samadhi. And we need those in order to be able to give rise to wisdom. So in some places where they make the, these claims, and that if you just listen to the Dhamma, these Dhamma talks, um, not many times, listen to our Dhamma talks not many times, then you will see the Dhamma. But they speak in this way to give people encouragement, to give rise to faith. But what's really, impra- what's really important is the practice. And because in reality it's not that fast. One time there was a university student who was practicing the Dhamma and he listened to the teachings of Ajahn Chah. So he came to ask Ajahn Chah some questions. And he asked Ajahn Chah, what's the fastest route? What's the quickest way? What's the shortcut? And Ajahn Chah, he responded like a Zen master. He said, well, if you want the quickest way, then don't do anything. That this um, student he had listened to these teachings of Ajahn Chah. But he thought, well, maybe Ajahn Chah won't you know, give these really quick methods in his Dharma talk, so I need to go ask him myself, get this kind of personal uh, teaching, this personal guidance, and then he'll be able to teach me the shortcut route. And so he asked, and what Ajahn Chah responded with was, don't do anything. And as I was listening to that, 
I thought, well, you don't do anything. Well, if you don't do anything, then what are you going to get? You know, if you just sit around doing nothing, then what results are going to come from that? But it's like if we have raw rice, but we don't cook that rice, and we don't know the method of how to cook that, well then we have to go through that effort to be able to do it. Or if we don't have any rice, and there's no one who's selling rice, but we want to eat, well then we need to go and grow it ourselves. And how difficult will that be? You have to go and um, plant the rice in the paddy field, and then tend to it until it grows. And then we need to harvest that, and then uh, we get it, then we need to thrash it, and it still has its husk, so we need to husk it. And then we get the rice grains, but they're still raw, so we need to steam that until it's cooked. And only then can we eat it. And so this is something that's difficult to do. It's not easy. But still, Ajahn Chah, he said, well, don't do anything. So then what do we do? Um, How do we get these things? Where do we get them from? But after some time, after I'd practiced, I gained an understanding that... The people who have practiced the Dhamma already and who have attained to the Dhamma already, well, they don't need to do anything because it's all there already for them. It's all complete for them. But what about us? You know, have we reached that point yet? And so if we haven't got there um, and if we don't have wisdom, then what do we do? Well, then the teacher has to take us back through the stages. We'll ask ourselves, are we generous yet? Are we virtuous yet? And for the most part, those listening are generous and virtuous people. So then the teacher says, well, come and develop samadhi, make this strong. Give rise to wisdom, so this happens steadily but surely. And then as you're practicing in this way, then you need to forbear as well. You just carry on practicing and wait for it to come to fruition. So it's like planting a tree. And we plant a tree, it takes five years, six years, seven years before we're able to eat the fruit of that tree. But for these great teachers, these meditation masters, they have this fruit already. You know, the tree has already been planted, it's already mature. They have the fruit there, it's already been peeled. So all they have to do is just taste that, and then they gain the flavor of it right there. So they don't have to do anything. But for those who don't have all of this, then they need to be sincere in doing this, and planting this tree, and looking after it, and then waiting until it bears fruit. So we need to have our effort and persist with that, and with all things, we are able to exceed, succeed due to our efforts. So we put our effort into abandoning unskillful, evil things, into cultivating goodness, and bringing the mind to purity. 
If there's any unskillful state that has arisen, we put our effort into abandoning that. Any unskillful state that is yet to arise, we put our effort into not allowing that to arise. Skillful states that have arisen already, we look after those, we care for them, bringing our mind to stability and contemplating, seeing the nature of conventions and realizing vimuti liberation in our hearts, gaining this freedom. So may all of you set your hearts on this, on the sixth day of this retreat. So may you be sincere in your efforts.